today? Very good, thank you. Okay. Hi, this is Roxana, and this is Hi, Via. Hi, nice to meet you. Same here. And this is Yasmin. Great talking to you today. Yeah, can't wait. Yes. Um, good afternoon, Mr. Arellano. Thank you for joining us today to discuss social justice in our community. Um, we are huge fans of your former column called Ask a Mexican. Um, can you please tell, tell us more about it and how um, it started and was what was the motivation behind it? Ask a Mexican was a column that started in 2004. Uh, I was working at a newspaper called OC Weekly at the time, and the editor gave me this idea. He said that a lot of people in Orange County stereotype Mexican, and, but at the same time, a lot of people just gen- genuinely had questions, wanted to know why Mexicans, you know, well, why Mexicans ate burritos, why Mexicans like lowriders, some stereotypical, some not, but he thought the idea itself was silly, but that said, let's really tackle on, uh, let's tackle racism and discrimination against Mexicans with a satirical column, and so, yeah, yeah that's where the idea came from, after Mexicans started in 2004, ended in 2017, I ended up answering, gosh, at least there were a thousand questions, and I could have, I could have continued the column forever, actually. During the, during the, um, during your, that time you write the column, is there any pushbacks or any feedback that, that, you know, that shocked you? Um, not, not that it shocked me, but there was always pushback. Some people liked it, some people didn't like it. Some white people liked it, some white people didn't like it. Some uh, Mexicans or Latinos liked it, some didn't like it. The people, and it's funny, though, because the pushback came from all parts of the social spectrum. Black-out uh, racist, uh, you know, alt-right people hated the column because they saw through the satire and they, uh, they knew exactly what the column ultimately was. It was a ridicule of the white supremacy that created all these stereotypes against Mexicans. On the other hand, you had progressive Latinos uh, who didn't like the column because they felt it perpetuated stereotypes against Mexicans. In other words, that the column didn't really help to fight racism, but in fact was racist itself, self-hating. To me, that just showed that the column worked, that it had all these opinions uh, about it. And more importantly, though, it had a readership who wanted to know what was going to be the next question I would answer, and also people who would send in their questions and... And it's been weird because over time, and this is where I think the ultimate um, validation of the purpose of my column uh, really shows itself. Over time, the really racist questions, they stopped coming in because racists would read the column and they're like, uh oh, if I send in a stupid question, Gustavo's just going to play me. He's going to absolutely uh, burn me. Uh, I, on the other hand, you started getting actual thoughtful questions. Like, one question I remember. Uh, um, a uh, white couple said that they had adopted a Mexican, you know, Mexican kid, and they were like in the Midwest, far away from a lot of Mexican culture. So they wanted to know what's the best way for us to teach our son. Obviously, he's our son, and we're not Mexican, but we want him to be proud of his Mexican. Yeah. Make him feel proud about his Mexican culture. So something like that, that's obviously not a racist question. I'm obviously not going to respond in a really flippant flip way. I'm going to try to respond. I, you know, I can't remember the answer right now, but I know it was a softball, but at the same time, trying to be as funny as possible. Yeah. So we see that, that your attention to make this column was to just um, make everybody aware. Um, how would you how would you describe or manifest um, 
social justice in your work? For me, social, it's, it's interesting because as a writer, you're attracted to stories. And technically, as a reporter, you're supposed to be objective and only try to stick to the story, whatever the facts are at hand. That said, I always try to tell stories. Uh, you know, my, my mantra for journalism was always comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. In other words, tell stories that celebrate good people. Tell, tell stories that, uh, you know, that address representation, not even diversity, representation, uh, underserved communities. Try to tell us, you know, go after the bad people who are trying to squash these communities. And it wasn't just necessarily Latinos. I did a lot of stories about sex abuse in the Catholic Church, and, you know, a lot of those victims were white and Asian as well. So I just always try to tell story. I, you know, I guess at the end it does fall under a social justice bent, but for me, I just want to tell stories that matter, and I want to tell stories that either people would see themselves in those stories and feel proud of themselves uh, for having representation or just stories that talk people about a culture that they might not be a part of. Well, in, by the way, you did mention earlier that you got pushback from even Latinos themselves. Uh-huh. Um, can you tell us a little bit more of that? I'm actually kind of fascinated by that. No, no. It, I mean, you know, we live in woke culture. Woke culture has been around for a while. So you have these people who, and, you know, and it's not just, say, people from Chicano studies or people who identify as Latinx. This would be, like, successful, let's say, middle-class Mexican-Americans. Politics are actually quite, quite moderate, but they're proud of being Mexican. And they just felt that the columns perpetuated paradise. And I, I agree to a certain extent. The logo for the column was a total caricature of a Mexican Latino. A lot of the language, you know, was very in your face, very much just trying, pushing the envelope, not just pushing the envelope, but really ripping it apart. But and for me, intelligent minds could always disagree, and I always valued those critiques that they were thoughtful. And the response that I would have to people, and, and anytime people would ask me, don't you feel that your column emboldens racists and really gives uh, racists or anti-Mexican people the liberty to feel anti-Mexican. And my response would always be that the next racist, the next bonafide racist who used my columns to perpetuate their crap would be the first one that I would know of. Because as I, I, one of the other things I did, most, a lot of people, if they knew me at all outside of Orange County, they mostly knew me for African Mexican, but... They didn't know my other work as a regular reporter, so I actually did right. a lot of stories, a lot of stories about hate groups in Orange County, like white supremacists, especially of white supremacists, neo Nazis, a lot of them. And I know, I know what those people feel and said, and they hated me with a passion, and they especially hated half the Mexicans. So, as I said earlier, they knew what the column was about. It was a direct attack on white supremacy, and they did not like that column at all, and they especially did not like me. How did you feel like people, you said that people felt like you were perpetuating stereotypes of Mexicans? How, how would that look like? Well, like I said, the logo for the column, every, every week that the column ran, there was the logo. Like, okay, you're Mexican, Batito. So it, that's one way. Okay, why do you have to publish that image again and again? Um. Another thing, uh, another reason is just the very idea of the column's existence. Like, why do you have to answer questions about Mexicans? Like, uh, why, why do you have to... Why do you have to validate people's stereotypes by answering their questions? So, for instance, someone asked, like, oh, why do Mexicans like to drive lowriders? Or why do Mexicans have such big families? Like, in one way, you're allowing, at least from a superficial 
viewpoint, you're validating the stereotype by merely acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I would I would ask those people to say, or I would ask those people to read my response. It was interesting, like, how can I put this? There was different gradations of my answer when it came to ask the Mexican. In other words, it was a very thoughtful, even a smart question. I would treat it uh, accordingly. I would, you know, I would be more not academic, but more serious, use a lot of facts and stats, and try to blend a little bit of humor. I think as a columnist, especially a column like that, you have to be a little bit funny. Uh, but if it's a really dumb question, flat out racist, flat out stereotypical, oh, I would not be, I would not be polite at all. I would be very rude, actually. I would still answer their questions, but a lot of times flip that stereotype on its head, so at the end, make the person who asked the question feel stupid for asking the question first place. Mm. Especially with, with what After Mexican was not a news column. It was a, and it wasn't a comedy column either. Comedy comedy is just supposed to make you laugh. My column was a satirical column. Mm-hmm. Satire is a form of comedy where the satirist basically plays the fool so he can make a bigger political point about something and roast uh, the powers that be. And it's a, it's a hard it's really a hard discipline to do and I'm not going to say that I was perfect every single time I answered a question. That said, I do know that at the end of everything I feel I made far more of a difference in fighting white supremacy with that call up than if I than if I had done a more traditional call up, more straightforward and serious. Absolutely. And I'm also, you know, for those who don't know Taco USA, I also in your column you also wrote many um restaurants for those who didn't know you you yeah. you gave you provide information people as to great Mexican food and where did it even start? How did you get that? <laughs> I I just like to eat. What else could I say? Mm-hmm. Um, when well, again I, when I was at the OC Weekly, I just didn't do Ask the Mexican. I was an investigative reporter. I did a lot of music writing, like rock español or rancheras or like you know Mexican a lot of Mexican music. I was also the food critic at the paper for oh, like good 16 years. So I was doing all of this work like crazy. And then eventually, uh, once I started writing books, again, I like to tell stories that no one else has told. So for me, I started doing a little, uh, a little bit of research and I discovered that no one had really done a book about the history of Mexican food in the United States. There's a lot of writing about Mexican food in Mexico, where dishes came from but not really about Mexican food in the United States. So I pitched the idea to my agent, and we were able to get a book deal out of it. Not the USA came out in 2012. And the great thing I like about that book is that when I first went around um, promoting the book, like doing lectures, I would tell people, this is just the first draft of this history. I'm basically done with telling the history of Mexican food in the United States. Oh, in in as much as uh, I want others to start writing the history of their Mexican food in their particular part of the country. And, and I'm not going to say that I inspired people to do that, but I'm seeing a lot more respect and a lot of more research into different styles of Mexican food across the United States. So the book is still very relevant, even though it's now seven years old, even though I've done a lot more work, there's been a lot more discoveries, but I think people will always enjoy that book because... It really does tell a lot of the stories about the foundational history of Mexican food in the United States, and it really does celebrate people what, what in 
food studies, they call food waste, uh, like the food culture of a people or a region. So I'm very proud of that work. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and lastly, for those who are interested, how can they connect with you and your work? Uh, the best way, go to my website, gustavoarellano.org. There uh, you can find all my social media accounts, my you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter. So I, I do a newsletter called Gustavo Arellano's Weekly where it's usually like I write a letter, usually based around a theme or something that I did. I put in all the links to stories that I wrote myself or media appearances that I did. I also put appearances I'm going to do in the coming week. And also, you know, just like link out to a story that I like that week. Uh, 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 what do you call it? A, a song that I like. Because we try to get people, I don't know, for lack of a better term, if they really like what I do, well, this is a way to keep up, with, you know, keep, keep up with me and be able to send me emails and all that. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for thinking of me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Gustavo. Okay, take care. You, thank bye-bye. You.